Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers Radio, a.k.a. it is the future of business, and we're talking about a specific kind of business today. So welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are absolutely in the right place. Let's look at the buzz on the street. This is a very serious topic. I want you to all listen up. It may or may not affect you and people you know personally, but there's a good chance it does somewhere down the chain. So I have a quote from Paul Toscano, who, uh, let's see, he was with CNBC when he wrote this a couple of years ago, and here we go. He says, although counterfeit drug production was originally concerned with lifestyle medications treating non-life-threatening conditions, the industry has expanded to produce nearly every type of medicine. That was an article he wrote for CNBC.com a couple of years ago, and it has certainly gotten worse. Now, let's just do a little breaking down here. Lifestyle medications would be things like... hmm, uh, the, um, shall we say, the male enhancement medication industry. I won't use the name of the most famous drugs in that. So uh, that's one of the things that would be a non-life-threatening condition, and now it's touching every part of medicine. Let's talk about some statistics here. The World Health Organization, well, World Health, and that's WHO abbreviation, and you can actually find them. They have their own Twitter handle at WHO, estimates that over 10% of the world's medicine is counterfeit. And I did a little digging and found out that as high as 70% of medication in some countries is counterfeit. You can exchange the word dangerous for counterfeit. Is this market, market lucrative? You bet. It was up to $70 billion in revenue a few years ago and growing every year. So the question is, how can this be happening? Well, the bad guys and gals are out there doing something to drugs and selling them illicitly on their own black market. But how in the world is this getting passed? There's so many regulators, so many people watching this industry. Here's the bad news. Complex supply chains, I said it, complex supply chains unwittingly facilitate entry points for counterfeiters thriving black market. Just think about that. Supply chain, who is watching each step along that chain of command, of, of care, of possession? Here are the impacts. Counterfeit drugs create a huge gap in the legitimate pharmaceutical industry. We're talking dollars, we're talking credibility, but on an individual level, they pose significant physical and even life-threatening dangers for consumers who don't know the origins or the safety of their medications. A lot of people are buying meds online. How do you know where they come from? They're cheaper. They're easier to get. But wait a minute. Is your life at risk? Here's the good news. Innovative technologies can help legitimate pharma stem the production and flow of dangerous drugs. And that's what we're here to talk about today, the problem and some suggested solutions. I have two gentlemen on the panel today, 
who are going to help us figure this all out. Let me tell you who they are before we get started. First up is Jacques Muratori, M-U-R-A-T-O-R-I. He is the North America Managing Director of Molavitas, and he will tell us all about his company, Movalitas. I got it right the second time, Movalitas. I'm learning to pronounce it. Forgive me, Jacques. Movalitas, and he will tell us all about his company in a few minutes. And joining us is a returning panelist who hasn't been on for quite a while. He is Laz Uriza, Senior Solution Principal for the Extended Supply Chain Center of Excellence at SAP. They're smart. They're engaged in the topic. They have so much to share with us. So, Jacques, welcome. And I want to say that Jacques has sent us an interesting quote from Martina Navratilova. There are a lot of V's and L's and T's in her name as well, Jacques. I will get there. Trust me. <laughs> Martina is, is Czech. She's now all of 61 years old, born in 1956. She's a former Czech and later American. She did switch. I won't say switch sides. She, she switched nationalities, but she's a citizen of both, I believe now. Former Czech and later American tennis player and coach. In 2005, Tennis Magazine selected her as the greatest female tennis player from 1965 to 2005. Look at that span. And she's considered one of the best, if not the best, female tennis players of all time. She was world number one for a total of 332 weeks in singles and 237 weeks of doubles, making her the only player in history to hold the top spot in both singles and doubles for over 200 weeks. That's a game changer. Here is the quote Jacques has selected from Ms. Navratilova. Quote, the difference between involvement and commitment is like ham and eggs. The chicken is involved. The pig is committed. Jacques Mortori, welcome. How are you? Well, it's up, Bonnie. Thank you. Yeah, uh, my, my famous quote. <laughs> I love the quote. I, I looked it up. It's all over the Internet. I've never heard of it before. I think this is the first time we have to welcome Martina to Game Changers Radio. <laughs> I try to do that when somebody quotes him. I love the quote. Jacques, tell us how in the world you picked a quote about chickens and pigs, ham and eggs, on a show <laughs> about the illegitimate pharma industry and the legitimate pharma industry trying to stop the first one. So go ahead, Jacques. Tell us more, please. Sure, no problem. Um, so again, I mean, uh, our company is very involved with some of the major pharmaceutical companies, the manufacturers and distributors, you know, across the globe and obviously in North America um, around technology, around, you know, the whole distribution of their pharma products, um, the track and trace of that, and the technology is obviously involved. So why I picked that topic that uh, quote specifically is, you know, I, I, I feel that a lot of people are involved in, in the in the trying to come up with solutions, but it, it really is going to take a commitment. Um, the, the, and, and I think that quote because the difference it comes across quite bluntly, I think. But it's the commitment that, you know, companies and, and executives um, and how they're going to work together is going to take a huge commitment to really get us through this. Because a lot of challenges, as, as you mentioned early on, Technology is there, but there's challenges involved. So it's not good enough just to be involved. You have to be committed to help solve this problem because ultimately it's the end consumer that's going to suffer. I mean, I think um, you, you mentioned some of the, the, the topics, but I mean, the, I don't think people realize that counterfeit drugs, I mean, it's the ingredients are either under under uh, prescribed or they're over. Um, and, and the effect is people are, are dying on a daily basis because of counterfeit mm-hmm. drugs. And, and it's just... Really, the commitment is going to have to be, be there. I mean, I think people are getting there slowly but surely, but I, I think not at a fast enough pace. That's just my opinion uh, because it, it's coming at, a, at a quite a pace. You mentioned $70 billion. I think as of this year into next year, it's, it's going to be reaching about $200 billion 
mm-hmm. in, in business. That's how big the kind of a business is going to be. So the commitment is really what, what's required. Not just don't be involved. I mean, involved means you can be in a silo. Commitment is you really want to make a difference. And, and it comes from top to bottom. So all the companies involved in pharmaceuticals, whether it's the manufacturers, distributors, really need to get up from the CEO all the way down. The commitment has to be there. And, and that's what I work with companies on that. And there's a lot of education involved. But uh, that's why I picked the quote. So I hope that makes sense. <laughs> Thank you. It does make sense. And, and it's a very interesting question, Jacques. And, and uh, we don't know who's in our listening audience. Let me just make a little caveat here. We know that we have listeners all over the world. And, and the uh-huh. question is, there are all kinds of black markets operating under the radar. Some of them in drugs, I think, are above the radar because people find them easily. Right, Jacques? So the question is, I'm just going to lay this right out, motivation. The people who need to stop it, fix it, stem it, protect consumers need to be not only committed to doing that, but have have to be motivated to say, yeah, this really is a problem and we're not profiting in any way. Am I right? Is there, are there any moral caveats in there, Jacques, or am I going too far afield on this no, one? No, it, it's, it, it is very much a moral caveat, a moral situation too. People have to believe that this is the right thing to do, which is the right thing to do. And the problem we face, Bonnie, I think is, is twofold, is, is one, I mean, these regulations are coming, so we have, you know, the FDA involved, we have GS1 involved that is, is providing global standards for, you know, all the, all the industry across the globe to hopefully go down a single standard, which is good. It's just getting it It's a massive undertaking. You can imagine, I mean, there's thousands of distributors and, and small manufacturers, I mean, and it's just getting them all together and, and going down the same path is, is quite the task. So, therefore, the commitment and... I think the moral, just you know, understanding of this is the right thing to do. Ultimately, um, the second big thing is the financial impact. I mean, uh, I think we all have to understand that you know these changes um, for the manufacturers and distributors is. I mean, this this is going to cost billions. I think the last quote, just in the U.S. alone, will be spending in the excess of three billion dollars in technology, if not more, over the next few years, just to try and get to a point where we can get technology in place. Um, to satisfy these requirements, back and trace, tracing products from the manufacturer to the end, end consumer, and in between is all the technology. So it's a lot of money being spent to, to get to this. So it's moral, but it's also, it's also a huge financial impact on the industry um, to, to get there, which is you know, obviously a challenge in, in any book, any, anyone's book. Thank you, Jacques, and thank you for letting me go a little far afield on that one, but I, I wanted to get that idea of commitment and engagement and, and being in the right place for the right reason. So thank you very much, Jacques, and welcome. And we'll talk with you a little bit in a few minutes about what Movalitas does, and I'm pronouncing it right. Thank you very much, Bonnie. Uh, looking at Never to Lover and Movalitas, I think I'm on the right track now. So Jacques, welcome. You're a newcomer to Game Changers, and we're very happy to have you. And now let's welcome back Laz Uriza at the SAP Extended Supply Chain of Excellence, Center of Excellence. And Laz has sent us a quote from Albert Einstein. Laz, I think Einstein wins the award in absentia, in memoriam, (laughs) for the most often quoted famous person on Game Changers Radio in 2017, at least in the second half. So I I want to tell you that. But you picked a very interesting one. We we see this quote very seldom. Anybody who doesn't know, Albert Einstein was a German-born theoretical physicist, 1879 to 1955. 
1945, he developed the theory of relativity, one of two pillars of modern physics alongside quantum mechanics. And he's best known for his special formula, E equals MC squared, dubbed the world's most famous equation, as well as his wild and crazy white hairdo, and him at the blackboard drawing with chalk and the equation E equals MC squared. So here's the quote Laz has selected. The world will not be destroyed by those who do evil, but by those who stand by and do nothing. Laz, that quote fits so perfectly with where we are in our discussion. How are you, Laz Uriza? Great, thanks. Happy to be here, Bonnie, as always. And uh, yeah, thanks. I agree that uh, when I read that note, uh, that <laughs> quote, I figured this couldn't be better for the topic. Absolutely, and that's why you're smart and that's why you're here. So tell me, what would Einstein say if he knew we were talking about the black market counterfeit drugs and, and how commitment, engagement, uh, purpose, and technology can help stem that? What would he say? Well, it's going back to Jack's uh, quote, right? It, it, it's very relatable to what Martina Navratilova said, too. So if you think about it, everybody's involved. Everybody's involved in some way in this counterfeit, right? Either you're buying the medicine, you're producing the medicine, uh, you're delivering it, or you're the government putting uh, the regulations on top of it. Everybody's involved in some form or fashion. The point is, who is going to take the ball and raise the bar to make sure that we demolish the uh, counterfeit uh, exercises, right? How is technology going to help us outdo this in, uh, in, in, in fixing the situation, right? We've seen in, in the current technologies that we've developed like incredible technology around uh, machine learning, point-of-sales data, sensors, uh, state-of-the-art analytics that help us understand not only track where the medicine is and where it should be at every point in time, it breaks down the silos so that we have no gaps in the entire supply chain, but it also helps us analyze where the medicine should be and where it should be consumed and where the outputs are going to be, so where the medicine should be, and the new technologies to keep on this uh, track going, right? And like Jack said it best, uh, it's not going to be addressed until we find the economical issue for the regulating parties or the industry. So pharmaceuticals starts to feel the pain of, of, uh, of millions and millions of dollars in losses because of counterfeit drugs or the government in taxes, there won't be uh, a heavy push on them to make this issue go away and to put the regulations that kind of find the nod to make them jump into these technologies that are going to help them uh, abolish the counterfeit activities, right? But on the consumer end, it's really hard to say how are they going to be committed because uh, you buy it because of two main reasons, right? Either you have an emergency or you need to buy it, or you don't have the money to buy the, uh, the, the medicine and you go to the counterfeit uh, to the black market to get it, right? So we have to make that uh, all these medications not available in the black market and how we do mm -hmm. it, being much more efficient in the way that we produce our medicine and make sure that everything that we produce is being used and it has to be uh, put in the places where it needs to be so it's available for the people who are willing to buy it if they have that opportunity in front of them. Yep. Oh, so many factors are at play. We see this. We hear about this, Laz, all the time. We talk. We hear about people 
desperate for medications that have not been approved, let's say, in the U.S. by the FDA, and I'm not getting into politics here at all, but uh, looking elsewhere, families desperate to save loved ones, finding they heard about something, and they'll bring it in somehow by hook or crook or by a trip to another country. Am I right, Laz? And with no real knowledge of the safety, but sometimes desperation leads to that. Am I, am I on the right track here, Laz? Exactly right. Uh, that that's one of the main drivers for uh, for all medication. Regretfully, is always fear, right? It's fear, yeah. and, and when you put that into the people, they start doing, uh, for the lack of a better word, crazy things. So we need to be on that uh, education path. We need to be on that uh, bandwagon of having the medication that everybody needs in the right place at the right time, and we do that through supply chain technology. Yep. That's what we're looking for. So let's go over. Thank you, Laz, for that very interesting quote and good commentary. Uh, we're going to circle back to Jacques Moratori. And Jacques, what's the origin of Jacques? I know it's a, a French name. Is that your origin, may I ask? Uh, no, it's, it's actually a long story. My parents are Italian. My mom likes French names. My father will not call me Jacques. He calls me Giacomo. So it's, it's quite the family situation. But And now I live in the U.S. I was born in South Africa. Um, and um, so it's quite, quite, the, quite the thread there, but it's confusing at the best time. <laughs> well, I, I happen to like the name a lot, and I want to make sure I honor you. That is certainly a global, a, a global origin story. I appreciate it. Thank you for the for the circuitous around a route around to the name Jacques. So Jacques, Jacques, I want to ask you a couple of personal questions. Now that I've already asked you a couple of personal questions, I told you we have fun on Game Changers. It, this is real people. Talking. Talking. Hello, uh, Jacques. I want to ask you, where are you calling from? Rumor has it you're somewhere, somewhere secreted into a corner in an airport somewhere. I want to know where you are. And you probably don't have anything really interesting to drink right now. I'm betting on that. But what would you really love to drink? What's your favorite drink in the whole wide world? Don't even think about the time zone where we are. We're 1018 here on the east coast of the U.S. So two questions. Where are you? What airport? Where are you going from? And to, to and from? And what would you love to drink? Go ahead, Jack. Actually, I'm um, at the airport in LaGuardia. I'm sitting in a quiet corner here, and I just came from uh, a big pharma company's ward, um, just discussing exactly you know, technology um, that must be put in place to help them uh, through uh, their process from the warehouse right through to you know, distrib- distribution. Um, and I'm on my way to Buffalo, New York, to visit another customer today, and then um, I'll be back on a plane tonight again. So um, that's what I do. I see customers. We, we go through technology. Um, and my favorite drink um, is probably a, uh, a gin gimlet, I would say. Uh, I love those. Do you have a favorite kind of gin? You're allowed to mention brand names on the show if you um, want to. Actually, no, I, nah, there's, there's some good ones out there. I don't, I'm, not, I'm, I just, I'm not too particular about, about that piece, but uh, I just like my gimlets. Uh, I enjoy those. Not many people make a good one, so I, I have my favorite places to go to get one. <laughs> and what what how do you make a good uh, gin gimlet? I mean, the key is obviously not to use roses, to use fresh lime and a little simple sugar. I think that's always it's always the fresh lime is good. And then as the bartenders typically, the, you know, whoever they have the the way of making it, um, roses doesn't work for me too well. So I like the fresh lime juice and and, and the little simple sugar in it. That's all. 
Thank you very much. We got a good recipe there for Gin Gimlin, in case anybody's <laughs> interested. And now, Lazariza, where are you today? And oh, by the way, Jacques, I lived in New York on Long Island about 18 minutes from LaGuardia for the past 35 years, but I recently relocated down to the Research Triangle in Durham, North Carolina. So I know LaGuardia very, very well, and I, I know where wow. you are. And it's a certainly circuitous getting in and out of that airport if you're driving your own car and finding the ins and the outs and getting back on the parkway and getting in the right. Do you want to go east? Do you want to go west on the Grand Central Parkway? Do you want to go to the city? Are you on the side road? Are you going to the Marine Air Terminal? Are you on the wrong side road? It's always very interesting. Uh, it was never a straight route. It's like, follow the signs. What? So anyway, we're very, very happy that you're brave enough to be on the show from the airport, and we really appreciate it. Laz, where are you? I bet you're somewhere sitting down in an office somewhere very comfy saying, ha, I don't have to travel today. Or do you? And where are you? And what do you love to drink, Laz? Well, I actually also came back from traveling, so I'm sitting at home uh, in Los Angeles. It's pretty bright and early. The sun just came up. It's just past 7 a.m., so I will be in the office, just not quite yet. Uh, I, like, continuing with what Jack said, I also enjoy a great gimlet, but it's interesting that it has still few ingredients, but getting the portions right is very complicated, so finding a... uh, uh, a good gimlet is like finding a needle in a haystack. So Jack better tell us That's what true. the locations are because I would go try it. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I agree. It's, uh, you don't you find a lot of bad ones, but uh, find a good one, you stick with it, put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a recipe here from Jeffrey Zakarian at the Food Network. He says, fill a cocktail shaker with ice, pour in the gym, lime juice, and simple syrup. Stir vigorously with a long cocktail spoon until very cold. Strain into a chilled coupe or a martini glass. Strain over a rocks glass or fill with ice, depending on preference. Garnish with cucumber wheel and serve immediately. How does that sound? You okay with that one, Jock and Laz? At a high level, it's, uh, that's, that's the right recipe. Uh, like Raz was saying, it's, it's, the, it's the portions. It's how much of the simple sugar do you put in, how much of the lime, and how much of the gin. It's, and it's, you know, again, depending on the gin you use and all the lime juice you use, it, it may differ, and that's where the bartenders, they know the ingredients well, and uh, if they've got the mix right, it's good. Okay, well, you can go to Esquire.com, you can go to MarthaStewart.com, and you can go to AllRecipes.com for the perfect Gimlet recipe. So there's a little plug for Gimlet. And I have news. Laz knows me pretty well. Jacques, we've just met recently, and so I have to break it to you, Jacques. They don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days or alcohol, so all I'm allowed to have is water. So I have a cool, clear glass. Laz, it's the same cool, clear mug I was drinking five years ago on Game Changers. The same, I brought the same cup with me, and I have a green straw because here in Durham, the leaves have really just barely begun to change color, which is amazing to me. Our mornings are, yesterday was 38 degrees, but it's in the 50s, and we're going to go reaching up into the low 70s here. So there's still plenty of green outside, William, so that's where my green straw is. We are talking today about a very interesting topic with two very interesting gentlemen. Our topic today is the counterfeit drug industry, the role of complex supply chains. How are they facilitating entry points for the counterfeiters. What in the world is going on and how can technology help stem the tide, stop the flow, get the bad drugs off the market, eliminate the black market of counterfeit drugs? 
It may never happen, but it could be better. And that's what we're talking about today. Jacques Moratori at Movalitas and Laz Uriza at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I will plan to still be me after the break. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We're going to come back, and Jacques at Movalitas is going to help us start the roundtable. So we'll be right back. Aaron out. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Rising customer expectations, complex supply networks, and a focus on your business's bottom line make it more important than ever to bring your extended supply chain into the future. Your digital supply chain is one of the most critical components of your business success. From matching supply to demand with efficient order fulfillment to designing and manufacturing amazing products, hear how you can bring your extended supply chain into the future. Our experts discuss how the extended supply chain of the future is producing dramatic results to businesses worldwide. The digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to the digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers. Presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now let's get back to the digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers. There you go. We're back. And we're talking today with Jacques Moratori at Movalitas and Lazariza at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Very important topic. It probably touches you in ways you may not even be aware of at this time. The topic is the counterfeit drug industry and the role of complex supply chains. Yes, your supply chain, or at least one in the pharma industry or anything that touches it, may be complicit in what's going on with the black market of bad, 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 dangerous drugs. They're not all bad and dangerous. But they have the potential to be. So Jacques Murturi at Movalitas is going to start the roundtable. And here is what Jacques told me in his notes before the show. He said, counterfeit medicines enter the United States through the supply chain. Jacques, I'm going to let you tell us more expanded. Talk about two and a half minutes and then we'll get Laz to comment on your topic. Go ahead, Jacques. Sure. So I, I think, I mean, let's, I want to start with the U.S. because, I mean, that's, that's the most immediate thing, you know, for what we're working on right now because the FDA. Has, um, has uh, uh, provided some guidelines around you know what regulations must be in what years. So we have 
regulations in 2018-19 through 23 that have to be in place um, based on um, how the supply chain must react. But what's happening is you look at the manufacturers, some of the big manufacturers in Europe, a lot of them in the U.S., um, and a lot of the uh, the manufacturing of the products is not always done by the manufacturer, you know, by the big pharma companies. They outsource. They have what they call contract manufacturers doing a lot of this work for them. And they're all over the globe. They're not just in the U.S. So um, these products are manufactured uh, many times um, outside of the U.S. Um, and then brought in, um, you know, via transportation, ships, planes, whatever it may be. Um, and obviously this is where... Um, a lot of the counterfeits get into the supply chain. So then you also have sometimes the manufacturers, these contract manufacturers, shipping it to maybe a distributor. And then you have sub-distributors, and you have, you, know, you have a lot of linkages in the supply chain of finally how the product ends up at the pharmacy. And all of these um, is where the, the linkage, this is where the failure points happen. Um, where, where counterfeits enter into the supply chain, without a doubt. Um, you, and, and obviously, that's a big deal. So the other piece where counterfeits come into the U.S. is, I mean, all these online pharmacies. I think um, uh, we all know the Canadian online pharmacies. I mean, most of these, mm-hmm. some of them are legitimate, but a lot of them are, are distributing counterfeit drugs. So these also come in to the U.S. Um, you know, via, via these uh, other entities that, that produce or distribute these drugs and they get them from various places. Now, the biggest source of all these are places like China, Africa, Middle East. Um, U.S. in itself is pretty secure, done a good job over the years, but Mm -hmm. obviously it's increasing year after year. More and more are coming into the U.S. without a doubt. And again, the the detriment to that is that these are not real drugs and people think they're taking the real medication, but then there's an issue with that. Then they're not going to get better. And we've had the cases where some of these cancer drugs or um, some of these have been counterfeit and, and people have actually died because of that. So coming to the U.S., we have a lot of these drugs coming in. So again, now technology is in place and we are busy uh, putting stuff in place whereby we can start tracking these drugs that are made even abroad um, through serialization. So basically sellable units um, have to be sterilized. Um, and now we are looking at getting that in place at the manufacturer levels, whether it's you know the, the actual manufacturer or the contract manufacturer. And then now we'll go from there and we'll start tracking those products as they move through the supply chain. But that is how they're coming into the U.S. Um, various different ways, but the supply chain, there are definitely holes in them, um, and there's, there's points of failure where these drugs are getting their way into the market. And like I said, it's, it's getting more and more every year. Thank you, Jacques. Great. Thank you for laying that out. Uh, it's a reality. We, we can't say, oh, no, don't tell me. It's, it's a reality. Laz, we'd love to get your thoughts on this, please. No, I, I couldn't agree more with Jack. And, and adding to that problem, a lot of the product is being lost in both edges of, of the supply chain, right? On the production side, where you don't have a, a, a very crisp and transparent uh, control of your manufacturing side, then whatever you deem as bad goods or whatever you deem as, 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 as uh, excess, then that could be actually produced in a suboptimal way, and then is where the counterfeit starts from the very beginning of the process. And at the very end, we talked about digital uh, supply chain planning, right? If we're mm-hmm. getting that medication to all of the different uh, pharmacies, but you're putting it in the wrong places, the odds are they're going to be stored there for uh, God knows how long, 
and they need to be destroyed or disposed after a few uh, a few months or a year because the potency of their active ingredients get lost. So they dispose of this medication, and there's people scouring uh, garbage or wherever the destruction sites are, and then they get a whole new batch of medicine with an expiration date passed due, and that's another huge form of, of, of counter, uh, counterfeit. They use this medication and they sell it on the black market, but now the active ingredients are not uh, a, a full potency, and moreover, uh, they're kept under suboptimal conditions, which also affects the medication and how it works, right? So the whole principle of, of, of supply chain or, or supply chain technology to help us counterfeit is, A, having complete visibility of the entire chain of command or where everything changed hands and every product is at every point in time. And, and also it's, it's uh, big data, right? We talk a lot about big data uh, in analyzing massive, massive amount of information. But when you think about it in a problem like this one, is being able to go to the granular level to find a box of medication, not a not a pallet, not a shipment, but the uh, very granular uh, little box of medicine, so you can understand where it is, where it went, and the genealogy behind it, of where 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 has it had been for the entire duration of its lifespan. So that's where a lot of these technologies are going to start to help uh, pharmaceuticals uh, unweave this this counterfeit issue by having a lot more control where we didn't have it in the past. Because if you think about it, the technology was not there for us to track to the granular level or to have sensors at the very core of our network so we can understand where the medication needs to be or have all those uh, safety or, or, or tracking mechanism all the way up in our manufacturing so that we can reduce bad goods or we can reduce error to, uh, levels we haven't seen before under the 1%, right? So those are the Mm -hmm. issues where we will start to help fix all these, uh, let's say, call them gaps in their supply chain that are creating the entire stock for counterfeit medication. Thank you very much. As you're both talking, I'm thinking of a conversation I had with a friend the other day about apparently there was an article in one of the uh, Consumer Reports health-focused magazines about the fact that many people are dying unnecessarily from drug interactions, counter-interactions, and who is responsible for making sure patients are taking drugs that don't fight each other and and have dire consequences. So my, my comment, I don't even know if it's a question to Jacques and Laz, is there's another ripple to this issue of counterfeit drugs. If you go to your doctor and he gives you, sends you to a legitimate pharmacy to buy a real regulated drug, and you don't tell the doctor or the pharmacist that you're using a counterfeit drug that may or may not have fresh ingredients, that may or may not have been properly tested, that may or may not be clean and safe, you are adding that in your body into the mix of what your doctor and pharmacist think you're taking with what they think is the drug mix you may already have in your system. Jacques, can you comment on that? Am I on the right track here on another side effect? Well, I think, I mean, I, I, mean, I, think, I don't even think the, the consumer is aware that they, are, they have counterfeit drugs in their hand. I mean, that's, that's part of the problem. So they're not even aware that it's a counterfeit that they may potentially have in their hands. So, you know, the, the best thing you can do for a consumer is go buy or get your, your medication at reputable 
pharmacies. Do not buy them over the internet. Do not, you know, you, you, we try and educate as much as we can. And I know the big pharma comes the same thing. They're trying to educate, saying, don't, don't go do it. Maybe cheaper, um, but you don't know what you're buying. I mean, if it's not from a, a regulated or approved FDA, you know, pharmacy or you know, distributor, do not go down that path. So that's, that's the first advice I, you know, I would give anybody from that perspective. But yeah, so you know, if the potency or the, the active ingredients are not as they should be, I mean, there could be dire consequences. So, I mean, we've had small issues over the years of these things happening. People have unfortunately died. And, mm-hmm. and Bonnie, honestly, I don't think it's a question of if, it's a question of when. We're going to have some major issue happening here pretty soon. I think, and then I think people will really, really, and it's and it's sad to say that, but you know, it, it sometimes has to come to that point before you know that, that that whole commitment piece comes to play. But it's going to happen. It's it's going to shake up. You know, I think the U.S. will be shaken at some point here with something happening on a mass scale, where some yeah. kind of it got into the supply chain, and and it's going to be sad. Um, but I think it's just a question of when, because again, you know, as, as I was saying, I mean, these things are coming in, and it's not just you know counterfeits; it's also what we call white collar crime. So, I can tell you, over the years, um, you know, Eli Lilly, BMS, they've had people go to their warehouses and basically steal container loads of pharma or pharmaceutical products, high end stuff, and then they distribute that you know to pharmacies, mm. and they get found. They find these these stolen drugs in pharmacies, believe it or not. Um, and to your point now, the expiration dates are, are at, yeah. at, at stake. Um, these things happen. So it, it's the white-collar crime, too. Um, so counterfeits is stuff where active ingredients aren't you know, what they're supposed to be, but you also have this white-collar crime that's very rampant growing, too, uh, whereby drugs are just, you know, expired drugs are getting their, getting their way into the market, whereby now they also, the ingredients are not as they're supposed to be. So uh, that's, your comment is true, um, but I mean, I, people should just buy from reputable places. Do not buy over the internet. I mean, I know the challenge is there. It's always a cost yes. issue, but uh, you have to be safe. I mean, you can't take That's right. Human more. nature, word of mouth. And I guess my point, Jacques, was that if you buy something on the on the internet and you think it's legitimate, you may not tell your doctor or your pharmacist that you're already taking that version yeah, of, of a drug. So that's what I'm trying to say is that you won't reveal that because, well, you know, he told me to buy it from uh, the corner pharmacy and I went online and boy, did I get a great price at a drug from the country up exactly. north over there, you know, and I'm not going to tell anybody because, God, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm cutting the profit out here. So there might be a little embarrassment shame, guilt, or just, aha, look what I did. I got it cheaper, mm-hmm. and I didn't go through my low. That was my point. Laz, you want to comment on that before I move on to something in your notes here, quickly? No, sure. Uh, there, there's many issues right there, right? It, it, we're now moving into issues of healthcare because people who need yes. le- legitimate medication are starting to try to find cost-effective ways to get their medication, right? Mm-hmm. But when we were talking, uh, a problem that, that surged in Africa that is a different animal altogether came up to speed, right? Uh, we just talk about people who are looking for legitimate medication to get uh, uh, to get cost-effective solutions to their health. But in Africa, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but there was uh, this surge on buying a control medication. I don't know if I can say the name, but it's a very heavy uh, pain medication uh, mm-hmm. that they were trying to buy for, let's call it lifestyle, right? So yes. they bought it, uh, uh, the generic name is diazepam. So they yep. bought a lot of, of this medication in Africa, and, and uh, they started to see that there was a huge surge on malaria. And when they started to see all these 
patients, let's call them, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people getting malaria, when it actually wasn't. The, the whole principle is that this counterfeit medication that had a different uh, dosage of the active ingredient started giving, uh, giving the patient uh, neck spasms, among other side effects, that really resemble what malaria was, but the whole issue was just a side effect of the medication they were taking. So they were not sick at all, and they, they thought that they had a, a huge malaria issue in, in that so-called country, but it actually was a product of people buying counterfeit medication for lifestyle purposes and bought them counterfeit, and that's what, what, what the country was dealing with because they, were, they, they, they didn't have the correct, uh, let's call it, recipe for the medication they were wanted to take. So it's a huge issue in many other levels. And this is all because what we talked at the beginning, right? It's, it's a lack of, of, of control in the ways that we produce and in the ways that we uh, manufacture these goods. And again, it takes us back to another issue of technology, right? Now we have yep. to talk about security inside, inside the, uh, uh, the companies or security and technology, right? All of these, right. we talk about how we steal data. We talk how we steal identities. But imagine how important it is to keep these uh, formulas and medications safeguarded in within our, in our company. So this is where we start to talk about blockchain and security meshes that allows us to keep the, the, this information in the right hands to make the production limited to the people who actually need it. So that's another issue of technology that we, we could explore. Thank you. And I do want to explore. Okay, so let me look at your notes, Laz. And we could talk about a couple of things here. Better accountability of medication through serialization, track and trace, track and tracing. Uh, or we could talk about, I would love to explore blockchain. It is a topic that we're covering more and more here on various Game Changers radio series because blockchain is a it is an open way to have the chain of custody of anything from a fine wine to a high-end purchase of something to almost any industry. The chain of custody is revealed. It's secure. It's centralized. Everybody who touches it is documented and the chain goes on and on. So is that the best way, Laszlo? Let's start with you. Let's let's focus on blockchain as one of the newer technologies that could help. And if you could blend that in with the discussion of the the meaning of serialization, track and trace for meds, that would be great. Laz? Yeah, well, let's start with uh, the serialization and track and trace, right? That's one of, from what I've seen in my experience with uh, pharma companies, that's one of the pressing uh, technologies that they always ask and they need because of what it means, right? Serializations, uh, like I said, coupled with big data, allows them to have complete control of their entire stock at every point in time and every location in the world, right? So that gives you, uh, it, it's twofold, right? First one is control for counterfeit, allows them to uh, understand where everything is and have accountability into whatever that may be. Is it uh, in the hands of a distributor, sub-distributor, pharmacy, is it all the way in the hands of the consumer, which takes it to be a really important thing because if you at some point need a recall, then you know exactly where it's at and how to get it back, right? We understand how important and critical recalls are in pharma industry. You don't want to cause anybody any trouble or any mm-hmm. harm. So if anything arises with an issue with a batch 
or, or, or a bad ingredient or whatever that may be, you have uh, complete accountability of how to get it back, right? And that's where it gets really hairy because even if it's counterfeit, even if somebody stole it, you also want to know who this is because it doesn't matter how people get it. A pharmaceuticals or anybody doesn't want to get uh, a consumer or a, or, or a user uh, ill or harmed with the medication that you produce. So serialization is huge in those sense. And track and trace, uh, as they, they both work very well with blockchain because they allow us to have, uh, you cannot change the records that you've been posting in every point in time where you're adding the accountability to everybody in the chain, right? So blockchain blocks itself with different layers as, as you keep producing as, as uh, time starts to go by. So uh, it takes us back all the way to count, like buying uh, counterfeit information or, or, or trying to do, let's say, uh, tech crime and steal batches by using codes or by going into the systems or whatnot, right? This allows us to have a very safeguard information that allows that doesn't allow uh, hackers or or ill-intended people come into their uh, systems and try to figure out where uh, medication will be, where the issues are, where they can attack, or try to blind them for a few minutes so they can steal some of the product or redirect it to somewhere that they can actually do some counterfeit. So there's also a huge aspect of, uh, of tech crime that could also enhance the way of counterfeit medication because if you think about it, medication to some extent is gold but for its value, for its use, and for its demand in the market. Thank you very much, Laz. Jacques, love to get your thoughts. We're covering a lot of ground here. Blockchain, serialization, track and trace, accountability. Go ahead, Jacques. So I think let's start with the serialization track and trace. So that's obviously the, the biggest activity happening right now is that you know all these manufacturers with their contract manufacturers right now are under a very tight timeline to make sure that um, if you are what we call the market authorization holder, the MAH, you are responsible for any product, whether you make it or someone else makes it on your behalf, you are responsible by the FDA to serialize every sellable unit. So that's a regulation that was... It was due uh, this year in 17, November, uh, as we speak, but it's been pushed out for 12 months uh, because the contract manufacturers all over the globe were not ready um, and they were struggling to get up to speed. So that is a big activity. And that technology is available right now whereby um, at the line level, you know, every product made um, is serialized at the individual cellular. So a vial uh, or a box, a tablet box, is now has got a unique serial number on that that now can be tracked thereafter. So once it now gets off the manufacturing line and goes into the warehouse or then gets shipped to this, these products are scanned and the technology is there um, to track where these products are going. So that's the first step that, that obviously is now being put in place because the foundation has to be there. You have to get a serial number, a unique serial number involved um, on the packaging. Now, you mentioned blockchain. Um, that's mm-hmm. the next big level um, where things are going because once we get the foundation in place and we can serialize every sellable unit, now it gets to the point of how do we track these things? For example, in 2019, um, the FDA stated that anything returned by a wholesaler must be validated. In other words, you must be able to scan the product, the serial number, 
and there should be a communication all the way back to the manufacturer that manufactures drugs, or so whether it's, you mentioned the, the pharma company, um, it has to come back with, yes, this is a valid serial number, it's in our database, we've made this, or it's, it's not. Uh, therefore, a counterfeit can be recognized that way. Or a product that maybe you know, wasn't produced by the manufacturer is now picked up red flag is raised. So these things are in place now. They are getting there. It's just taking time. And obviously, again, the cost is phenomenal. Um, for a manufacturer to change the line uh, where they produce products could cost up you know, up to you know, $2,000, $3,000, if not more, um, sometimes in the millions. Um, so that's the biggest issue, but that's happening. So the blockchain is definitely the next piece that now is the focus point whereby how do we take all this information, um, this mass amount of data, and share that at a central point um, whereby, you know, you can validate, you know, that products are real um, and are authentic um, based on the supply chain now being connected. Um, so that's the key going forward. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of moving parts, but, I mean, the foundational pieces are being put in place now. A lot of pressure is on to get that done. I know it's a timeline is very tight. Um, people are scrambling to get there, but um, again, it's the commitment of getting it done and making sure we don't have a disaster on our hands in the future. That's that's the key as well. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Jacques. And let's see, we're almost at our predictions round, but Lars, let me see what the one more thing I wanted to talk about here. Um, Lars, can you just talk quickly about uh, genome scanning and the cost reduction as a long-term solution and what that will do for the trying to slow, stem, or even stop counterfeit drugs? Where is this going? Well, this is a perfect topic, Chose, because that will take us straight to the crystal ball section. So, let me talk about for a second. <laughs> Who's managing this show? You're doing a good job. Thank you, Lars. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Amazing as always. I don't, you surprise me every time. <laughs> so, two things. We were just talking about serialization, right? We talked about serialization of medication and to the single tablet boxes. But imagine if we could do that on the other side, serialization and couple it down to the consumer, right? And we can, we're doing it in other places. We've done uh, personalized products in CPGs, personalized products in many other industries. Why not in pharmaceuticals, right? Where we know exactly what box of medication went exactly to what person and why, right? Moreover, how are we going to personalize this to, to, to the most effective and efficient matter possible? Well, we've seen uh, in genome scanning, right? We've heard about this for the last couple of decades. A couple of decades ago, we knew that getting a full genome scan was the price of a, basically a jet. It was a few million dollars to get a genome scan to figure out uh, your genome sequences and your DNA. Uh, fast forward to the mid-90s, we started to see that price drop to the price of a car. Fast forward to the 2000s and then to present date, we'll see how it went to a, let's see, a round trip to Europe where it was a few thousand dollars. And nowadays, is the, if you think about it with 23andMe, with all this genealogy uh, website, mm-hmm. we have the price of a genome scan down to the price of a like a pizza almost, like let's say a high-end pizza there, like a $20 pizza. <laughs> okay. But if we continue this trend in the future, let's say in the next 10, 15 years at the latest, we're going to see a genome scan for the price, less of a price of, of uh, tap water in a restaurant, right? A few cents at the most. 
And when we start to do those genome scans and we start to understand the composition of everybody in the world, and now that we have enough capabilities to store every amount of, of information and data through the cloud and through other technologies that we've seen, then we start we can start to match up 1B1 products with medication versus uh, a DNA sequencing that is as individual as it gets to a person. So in that sense, we can actually put uh, one-to-one medication to people. We have a complete uh, effective customization of the medication to the people and the most uh, precise, uh, let's call it diagnostics, to mm-hmm. the, the people, right? So that's the future of science where we're going, and that's because technology has made it so much attainable to everyone and a so much cheaper to both ends of the spectrum, right? People who want to know their, their DNA sequencing plus uh, the pharmaceuticals that obviously also want to know them because that's how they're going to better address their issues. But the data that it matches up will allow them to also create the next generation of medications that are going to target specific issues in everybody's uh, life. So I think that's where the technology is headed. I think we're past the midway point to get there. It's just a matter of, 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 like Jack said, be committed and not just try to be involved. We all are part of this change, and we're getting there. We just have to be patient, but we also need to be committed and help out as much as we can to get there. That's the pharma quote, and that's the Einstein quote. Wrapping up with our quotes, Jacques huh. Murturi, I'm, I've saved uh, ooh, a whole, I can give you a whole two minutes for your closing <laughs> remarks, your crystal ball predictions. Laz uh, kind of squeezed his in right there, and it was great, and talking about genome testing and how that's going to be leading to personalized drugs, so we won't need illegitimate drugs. It'll all be part of, of how the world operates. So, Jacques, I'm giving you two uh, minutes. Take a look in the crystal I, ball I, at Movalitas. <laughs> yep. Thanks, Bonnie. Um, personalized medica- medication is definitely, I, I think, in the future. I think that's where we're going. Um, all the foundational elements are being put in place now, serial numbers, how we can track products. But ultimately, I mean, I think you've seen, I mean, I, I've seen you go to a pharmacy I, in, in, in Bradley Airport where I fly out of a lot in Connecticut. Have a machine you can put arm in, take your blood pressure. Now, you can imagine, when you start linking these devices that can actually monitor your conditions into a database, whereby it's now more personalized, that information, if you are part of a, even a medical company, and I think it will also help with you know, Medicare costs in general, um, these personalized medication that now can be you know, subscribed based on your personal information and, and, you know, and ongoing monitoring of your condition, uh, whether it's from the house or whether it's from a, a pharmacy where you go and you just go and have some basic you know, things to check your blood pressure, your heart rate. If something is out of, out of whack, for example, I mean, it is a red flag to somebody saying, you know, there could be potentially something going on, but even more detailed. I mean, you go for a blood test um, at a doctor, that information could be shared and, and now it's more available for someone to say, I can be more personalized in your information. And back to Raz's point about the big data, I think the more this data gets accumulated and analyzed, the more we can know about a person. So I, I think crystal ball for me is definitely personalized medication is coming. Um, I think we, we do a lot of the personalized stuff already. I, I look at Amazon, I all know Amazon, you can go buy and personalize your orders down to a T. So imagine all this coming together 
Um, it's just we just need to get to a point where now the last piece is coming together where we can get this information from people um, and and their conditions. And I think that we're on our way there. The technology is there, um, and blockchain and all these technologies are part of the solution in the end to get there. But that's my prediction. I think uh, we're definitely on our way there, without a doubt. Thank you very much. I like that optimism. It's been a really good conversation here we've been having with Jacques Muratori at Movalitas and Lazariza at SAP. And a shout out, this is the end of the season. I believe they're renewing next year, the end of the season. Another really interesting season. We've had 10 very lively and very topical and compelling episodes here of the digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers Radio. And I owe a shout of thanks to Suzanne Ellis. And Shane Ellis and Rick Ember at SAP, who sponsors. They they help to run the shows, mostly Suzanne this year. And Rick Ember at SAP sponsors the series. So I'm doing a shout-out to Rick. Let's do more in 2018. And a thank you, big thanks to our two special guests. And a thank you, of course, to Aaron, our engineer extraordinaire at the Business Channel team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I will be back, believe it or not, in one hour right here on the Business Channel with another Game Changers show. We're going to be talking about financial excellence, also the season closer. Our topic is real-time close. Oxymoron? Hmm. Or real value. We're going to be speaking with Jeff Hattendorf at Macrospect, Sam Perica Deloitte Consulting, and Stephanie Hudson-Miller at SAP. So on that note, I'm going to go to my call to action so we don't run over on our time here. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Jacques, just like Laz, and just like Aaron. I'll be back in one hour. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.